Oh, that's not good. Excuse me, man. Gotcha. We're going to turn to John chapter 20, um, which is um, probably quite a familiar passage to you. We're going to read from 19 to 30. Um, I make no apology for reading more scripture rather than less. John's gospel is is um, full of themes, and the theme I'm picking up on today comes out very clearly in both of these areas. So I thought it's worth reading the other one with the kids and bringing out one thing. But we're actually on verse 19, and this is um, after the resurrection. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this account of the Lord Jesus and we pray that as we look at it together, you will strengthen our belief in the Lord Jesus or bring us to that place for the first time to your glory. Amen. I deliberately picked a couple of illustrations of what you believe and you don't believe. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're living in a society at the moment where people don't believe a lot of things at one level and at another level, they're really quite gullible. Okay, two examples. The first one, many years ago, 
I had a colleague who made me look athletic. He was a lovely guy. He taught ICT at my school. And he wanted to convince the kids that you couldn't really trust Wikipedia because they looked everything up in Wikipedia. It's in Wikipedia, it's got to be true. So he got himself a Wikipedia profile and he set himself up as somebody who could contribute and he made a couple of contributions to do with something else that was all good. And then he invented this particular player, I won't name names otherwise you know who I'm talking about, who um, had played for the Liverpool under 16s but had had an injury to his knee so wasn't able to go any further. And he got the kids to look him up online. And there's their teacher online. And it says that he used to play for Liverpool under 16. So they look at him and think, really? You know. But Wikipedia said so, so it must be right. And then he tried to take it down, and Wikipedia wouldn't let him. <laughs> it's not still there. What they actually did was they then checked with Liverpool Football Club, who said, no, it doesn't exist. Get rid of it. But I was reading in my... Uh, research on, on, on this sort of idea, um, I looked up fictional footballers. And I thought Roy of the Rovers would be number one. And he wasn't. Some bloke called Goyen was apparently another under-16 player. I'm beginning to wonder whether my mate did this again, but it turned out it was actually an Irish uh, journalist who set this one up. Um, but what he'd done was he'd said that there was this under-16 player who was one of the Eastern European countries' finest players. And they got as far as linking him to a possible move to Arsenal. And he was named as number 30 in the top 50 up-and-coming players in the Times. But he didn't exist. And I think sometimes people think, we're like that with Jesus. They actually think, well, you know, they've got all this stuff, but is it real? Is it real? And they could be a lot like Thomas, who's saying, look, guys, it would be lovely if this was true. But if I don't see it with my own eyes, I'm not going to believe it. Well, I've got some bad news for you. I'm not going to bring Jesus out and say, look, you know, I can't do that. The Bible says, blessed are those, or Jesus himself says in the Bible, blessed are those who believe and yet have not seen. There is a lot of evidence for Jesus. But I've met people who can tell you everything you need to know and, and, and could probably speak the same message I'm speaking today who don't believe a word of it. They, they can tell you what it all means but they haven't taken it on board. And you can tell that partly because of the way they've decided I'm, I'm living my life in a particular way. My wife always remembers a, a, a person that she witnessed to who was like down the corridor at college and she got it but she didn't want to accept it because to accept it would mean she had to change her life. And there is a cost. Now, if you read the passage we've read here and the passage that we read before, the key word appears to be believe. But take a look at the end of John chapter 3 again. I'll read it for you. This is what it says. It says... This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. So there's, a, there's another theme of darkness and light. Jesus is the light. 
that broke into the world and the world did not understand it or accept it, but it still shines. This is what John the Baptist said about Jesus. He said, behold the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. He also said, when his disciples were worried about the fact that Jesus' discipleship was getting bigger and, you know, he's kind of like the new thing, um, they asked, and he said, well, yeah, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I, John the Baptist, said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. So therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, that's Jesus, but I must decrease. And then the gospel continues. He, comes, he who comes from above, Jesus, is above all. Who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seals to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the word of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now you read that, and then here we are, 17 chapters later, and a lot has happened. There's been a lot of other miracles, there's, there's disputes, there's all kinds of stuff, but Jesus has been crucified, and he's risen. And unless you get that he's risen, none of John chapter 3 makes any sense at all. Which is why it's so important that we get Thomas. Because he gets a really bad press as Thomas, doesn't he? But actually, when you think about it, he brings out something really, really important. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says, talking about his people, the Jews, and the fact that he's hoping that one day many more of them will turn to God. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart he's been raised from the dead, you will be saved. How does this all connect? Look at what Thomas said. Thomas said, Lord, I believe. Did he? Go and have a look. Did he say that? He didn't. He didn't say, Lord, I believe. Jesus said, do you now believe because you've seen me? And Jesus said, cut out this disbelief. But Thomas did not say, I believe. Because Thomas knew that wasn't enough. What did Thomas actually say? He said, my Lord and my God. I always imagine him kneeling at that point, but it doesn't say that, so I can't, I can't tell you definitely kneel. So realizing that Jesus is risen, getting it, because he's right in front of him, he hasn't really got a lot of choice here, Thomas goes, my Lord 
and my God. Thomas says two things. He says, first of all, that Jesus really is God. That what Jesus is saying in chapter 3 really is true. And secondly, he says, you have to be Lord of my life. My Lord and my God. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that, he will be, you'll be, that he's risen, you will be saved. Now, there are people around who will tell you that they've spent an entire life dressed up much more prettily than I am in various robes who actually don't believe in Jesus. It used to be the case in this country that you used to send somebody into the army and somebody into the church. That didn't mean they believed it. John Wesley actually spoke of Christ for many years without really being sure. In fact, a, a, a Moravian told him to preach Christ until you get Christ. But the way he got it, in part, was by watching the impact of the truth he was telling on other people. And eventually he realized. And he realized when he heard an introduction to the book of Romans being read out by somebody who didn't think they had the ability to preach, so they were actually reading what Martin Luther had written. And he says, my heart was strangely warmed. And he realized, this is true. This is real. Up until seeing Jesus in the flesh, Thomas was having trouble believing it. He'd watched him taken away. He knew he'd been crucified. He knew he'd been buried. And he was confused. Or wouldn't you be, really? But when he realized what Jesus had done, had come back from the dead, that changed everything. Now, back in John chapter 3, Jesus said, he talks about being lifted up. He says, I will be lifted up and people will look to me. It's worth knowing where that came from because what happened back in the book of Numbers was that the people of Israel, who you may remember were a bit of a crew really, weren't they? They, they, they kept um, being very ungrateful, disobedient. You know, God gives them um, manna from heaven, so they start moaning about the fact that the food's all the same. Um, you know, they come out of they come out of Egypt, God's just done all the miracles and judged all the Egyptian gods and so forth, and then they say, did you bring us out here to die? They just, they're not that good, are they? Um, but you see, that's the problem, because they're pictures for us of what we're like. He chose them, and he turned them into a nation that knew God. But it took several steps, and in one of those steps, they were disobedient, and so what happens in Numbers 21 is that God sends snakes. And the snakes start biting them. And anybody who's bitten by a snake dies of snake poisoning. So then they panic and they go to Moses and Moses prays. And God tells Moses to make a bronze snake and to lift it up. And it was quite simple. Just tell the people, look at the snake and you'll be saved. How does that work? Are you going to give us an ointment? You know, are you going to give us some instructions on how to get the poison out or, or whatever? No. No, 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 no. You have to trust this. But if you look at that snake, you won't die. If you don't, if you disobey, 
you're going to perish. And that's exactly how it played out. Now, because of the nature of that sort of thing, they had to destroy the snake later because they started worshipping the snake. They, they're really, you know... But there you go. But the point of this message that, that, that Jesus is giving is this. I must be lifted up so people can see me. And what that picture is of Jesus being lifted up on the cross. You see, the darkness that we're talking about in our hearts, the sin that is us rejecting God, has to be dealt with for us to be able to come back to him. And what he did, and he kept telling the disciples beforehand this was going to have to happen, was he gave himself. He went to Jerusalem and he allowed himself to be put into the hands of the political powers that really felt by that time they just wanted shot of him. And they arranged to deal with it by getting him crucified. And it had the exact opposite effect. Their plan kind of didn't work, did it? But that is because when God gave him into their hands, he knew what he would do next. If Jesus had stayed dead, then we wouldn't be here today. If Jesus had stayed dead, they'd have said, well, he was deranged. He got it wrong. When Jesus came back, and this is what Thomas grasps immediately, you realize that everything else he said about what was going on is true. He really is the Son of God. He really is sent from God. And you really can believe what he tells you. The result of which is that you end up with a choice. Do you continue to be one of those people who hides in darkness and says, well, you know, it's all very well, it's very nice, I'm glad that God can raise people from the dead and so forth, and maybe he'll do that for me if I'm quite good, really. But you can't. It doesn't work. One of the things that the Jewish people found was that however much they followed the rules they were given, not just the Ten Commandments, but all the ceremonial rules about sacrifice and all that kind of stuff, the more they tried to do it, the more they failed. And no matter how often God fixed it and brought them back, they just turned away again, one generation later. And what God says in the Old Testament is that he will write his laws on your hearts. And the way he does that is through you realizing that you don't trust in a list of rules, but you trust in a person and obey him. And that person is Jesus. But just in case you think the Ten Commandments are wrong, Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law. So when you get to the point where Jesus says to him, blessed are those who will believe, who have not seen, the question arises, how do you believe in something you haven't seen? several ways. One way would be, of course, to look at the effect it's had on people's lives. And there's a famous atheist who decided he'd write the definitive book debunking Christianity. And by the end, wrote the book about why Christianity is true. But what convinced him was not necessarily the stuff he put in his book, but was looking at what had happened 
when people had turned to Christ in history, different people turning to Christ and the complete difference it made to their lives, the wind blows. You don't see it, but you see the effect. And as the Spirit of God allows you to turn your heart to Christ and to give yourself to him, it changes you forever. If he really did die for my sin, if I was really that bad, and he's really that amazingly good that he would, isn't that going to change the way I'm going to put the priorities in my life? Isn't that going to change what's important to me? It's no longer about getting the most toys and having the, most, the highest score on the salary scale before I die because nothing's important. Now, I want to be ready to say to the Lord, look at what you did in my life. I want to see the fruit of what he has done for me and what he's doing worked out. I want to follow him. I want to know him. I want to be close with him and with his people. It changes everything. So one way is to look and see how he changes lives. Sometimes that, that change is massively dramatic. It's the person who was addicted and who's now completely clean and has been transformed and their life is stable. But with other people, it's the fact that they, they just seem such glowing good people. They don't seem to be pulled down by the things that get to me and you. I mean, one person once said to me, who do you go and scream at? <laughs> And I thought the answer is God, actually. Psalms. I'll do one of those this evening. Um, but you realize that there is a change. But this is what Paul says. And remember, Paul wants his Jewish brethren to turn to the Lord as well. Paul says in Romans chapter 10. I may have to turn to it. Yes, I'll turn to it. In Romans chapter 10. Paul says this. He says, My heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that's the Jews, is they may be saved. Not just the Jews, but he, because after all, he spent his whole life giving the gospel to everybody who wasn't a Jew. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, everyone who believes. What it says is this. Moses writes about the righteousness based on the law. That the person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart... One believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing riches on all who call on him. For 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I'll stop there. How do you know, how do you believe in something you haven't heard of? If you'd never heard of toothpaste, how would you believe in it? Somebody has to tell you, okay? That explains why they have those women on the television saying, look, I've just discovered that Oral-B make toothpaste or whatever. But he's making a very, very serious point. Unless you get to hear the full story, how can you possibly make up your mind? Well, what does John say in his gospel? These things are written so that you might believe. And through believing, you might have eternal life. How can they believe unless they're told? Somebody has to tell them. The whole purpose of the gospel of John, from beginning to end, the gospel of belief, is to tell you about Jesus. Now, I've got a couple of books in my rucksack, um, which have just come out. They're, they're done by the people who do um, Christianity Explored, if you've come across that. And in the book, they say, here are some people whose lives are transformed. And there are some great stories. In that book, too, it says, how can you know more? And they suggest one very simple thing. Pick a gospel, read it through. You can get it online. You can get it for free from a church. There's all kinds of ways you can get to it. But, you know, if you, if you load an app into your phone, you can have. I've got two different Bibles in there now. One of them told me how many times the word belief crops up in this chapter, 44. You know, that kind of thing. But you, I didn't just do that for that. I can read it. And it's only a little thin paperback. Read the book. Read the book to get the picture. The Gospel of Mark basically comes into two halves. The first half asks the question, who's this Jesus? And the second half, when you realise he's the Messiah sent from God, why has he come? To die for our sins. He's the Son of God, came to die for our sins. But don't take my word for it. Read the book. Paul wrote to a man called Timothy, a younger man, who was in ministry. And he told him that he realised that he'd come to faith through the witness of his mother and his grandmother and because he'd been steeped in the scriptures. And the scriptures are able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Jesus. And that was the Old Testament. With the New Testament, with the Gospels and so on, it is much clearer. Now, either today you are a Christian, and I hope that some of the things I've said encourage you to be like Thomas and to recognize that if you believe in Jesus, you need to follow Jesus. You need to obey Jesus, who sent us out to tell others, by the way. But also, if you're not a Christian, perhaps you're aware that, well, there is a reason why these people have these strange beliefs. And maybe it's time that you sat down and you looked. One of the people in the book that I, 
I've got a couple of copies. If you want one, come and talk to me. It was a lady in South Africa who basically had decided that you might as well do as much as you can while you're alive because, you know, you're going to die someday, so why not just do as much as possible? And she initially was only into alcohol and stuff, and then she came back to South Africa and tried to meet up some old friends, and they were all in what's called a trance party, which is basically where you do drugs and so forth, and you get the music going and everything. And she got totally hooked. And when she realised the mess she was in, she and her boyfriend disappeared off to somebody's house out in the sticks, and they kind of did cold turkey. And then she got contacted by one of the TV companies that she'd been working for before she got into drugs, and they wanted her to complete a project for them. So she came back in, and she went into a hotel room, and the first thing she did was find a dealer who delivered. So she, she got herself back in the position where she started to get high again on heroin. But as she started to do it, she picked up a New Testament that was in the hotel room and started to read it. And every, everything she read made her feel condemned she realised that it wasn't just the social danger of being in drugs, but that she was really, you know, running away from God. And she ended up outside a church with all these happy people going in, smoking a, a cigarette and wondering whether she should step inside. And she stepped inside, and it was Good Friday. And, of course, what do they tell you on Good Friday? But how Jesus takes our sins. And her life is transformed. And she and her husband have adopted kids, and you know they're, they're, they've started a Christian school somewhere in South Africa. But she's been changed by recognizing, one, my life's a mess. Two, the mess is my fault, and I'm guilty before God for making this mess. And three, Jesus offers me hope. And when you realize that Jesus really came, really was lifted up on a cross, and that if you look to him, you can be saved. Then as you look to him, you need to accept him as Lord. So you believe in your heart. Yeah, it's real. And then you tell him, I want you as my Lord because you are my God. It's as simple as that. But it's a work of the Spirit in you. So we pray that the Lord will help you. If you want to talk to one of the guys about this later, or one of the ladies for that matter, do so. If you want to take one of the two books I think I've got in my... I'm just beginning to doubt myself. If it turns out you haven't, I'll take your name and I'll get one to you. Um, <coughs> but, you know, they're, they're, they're a really good book. And I, I find it encouraging myself to read biography of people from time to time because it makes you realise that, that you know, God is working in different people in different ways. But what did Thomas say? He said, my Lord and my God. And what did Jesus say? He said, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe, yet have not seen. And what does John then say? Jesus did loads of things that would fill loads of books. But these things have been written down so that you can believe that Jesus is the Son of God and so be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that you didn't leave us in the mess that we've created for ourselves. We 
look around and we can see plenty of evidence that we're really good at making a mess if we're lost in the world without you. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus is still calling us to look to him and to be saved. And we pray, Lord, that as we continue now to sing a song to you, that it would be a prayer in our hearts, Lord, that we really would know you more, that we would serve you. And Lord, we just pray for anyone here who isn't yet yours, that as they sing with us, as they talk afterwards, they would too recognize the need to bow the knee to the only one who saves and who can make sense of our lives. Lord, we thank you for the offer of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Amen.